Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm going to continue in this series. We're talking, really, we're talking about the gifts of the spirit. And ultimately what we're talking about is God is building his church and the fact that you have a place in God's body. You know, just quick recap, God gave birth to you essentially, put you in this planet because he loves you and he wants you to be his child. Your purpose, in other words, the reason your creator puts you in this planet is fulfilled when you acknowledge God as your father and you receive Christ by grace through faith. Your purpose, in other words, why God put you here is finished. That's it, to be a child. Amen? Now, you might have an assignment from there, and a lot of people will say, well, God puts you here for a purpose, and that's to do a job, and you got to figure out what that one thing is, and you can do this one thing better than anybody else on the planet, and it's like, oh, man, I, I, I just don't want to define myself by what I'm, the job that I'm supposed to do for God. But now that we're here, and now that we acknowledge that God is our Father, you might have an assignment, and that's, that's around what we're talking about. So as he gives you his assignment... It might be formal. It might be in that five-fold ministry, one of those offices of administration. We talked about they are not anointings. I do not have an apostolic anointing. I might function in the office of administration in one of those words, and I don't even really care about what the words are. I, I, could care, I couldn't care less about it, honestly. But what I do care about is cooperating with God. God clearly lays out how he's building his church, the offices, the roles, the functions, and the empowerments within each believer, that's what he's doing in the earth today to build his body, build his church. So it's not like we're trying to make this church into something. We're just cooperating with his method, his, the way that he operates. And so we want to structure accordingly. Again, it's not a hierarchy. You know, I might be standing on a stage, but I am not your daddy. I am not your spiritual authority. I am not your covering. I am not... Uh, amen. Are you with me? Yeah. I have no authority over you at all. Now, we might submit to one another and make ourselves, you know, under each other's influence and accountable to one another, but there's one authority. And there's Jesus is our authority. Amen. Now, he organizes his church in certain, in certain ways where people have different functions, but they're not higher over one another. Now, as and, and I, I use the term loosely, but as charismatics, meaning people that believe in the gifts, believe that God is active and speaking and that, you know, he is, his will is healing, that he wants you to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. There's a, we talk about that kind of stuff all the time, as you know. But from that foundation that God is good, that what God wants for you is evidenced in the garden. In other words, before sin came, the garden was perfect, Right. In heaven, after he comes and wraps it all up, perfection. In the middle, Jesus comes and shows us what God's will is, evidenced as a human, going around, delivering people from demonic oppression, healing people, feeding people, taking care of people, delivering people from religious persecution, taking the yoke of legalism off of people, protecting people that are in outright sin. 
and he calls them, he protects them, but then he challenges them to quit living that way as well, right? There is that part too. That's, that's God. Amen. God is not, I'm going to let you have cancer for a little while so you'll learn a lesson. Cancer is not from God. That's a product of the fall. He is not playing craps with your life. He's not gambling to see how you're going to respond to him or not, you know? Anyway, we've talked about all that kind of stuff. I don't want to lay that foundation again. But as people who believe in the gifts and who want to flow and operate in God's empowerments, and that's what they are, the gifts of the Spirit, that word gift is the same word as the word grace in the original language. So it's a grace of the Spirit, and a grace is a divine influence in your heart that brings capacity. I'm running through this fast because this is what the last couple of messages were. But a grace is when you are empowered by his spirit beyond your own strength. And he does those things through you so that you will be a blessing to other people in the body and in the world. And it might be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or it might be we had the pedal forward folks in here who have a bike ministry to kids down in Hogansville. You know, the gift of the spirit that you might operate in this Tuesday night is how to turn a wrench the right way to get this kid back on the, on the road and maybe some food in his belly and show him some adult fatherly love because he might be fatherless. That is as spiritual as anything else that you could ever do expressing love. And so what we're talking about is not trying to get you to do something that you're not already doing. That's not the point. I'm not trying to say that this church isn't what it's supposed to be, so we're going to call it up into higher dimensions, all that nonsense that gets said. It's like, no, you are complete in him, but I, what I want to do is just pour some water on the garden of your heart where those gifts have been planted, talk about it a little bit, empower you a little bit, encourage you a little bit. We start to get, you know, step out in it some and then it just happens. You are already operating in the gifts that God would want you to operate in. You really are. What you need is confidence. That's it. Confidence is all you need. You don't need more of God. You know, honestly, uh, sometimes charismatics approach Christianity like New Agers approach life. Anybody have a New Age background? It's okay. Not one person ever into just me. Yeah, just me. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I said it in the first service. I, you know, wasn't really raised in church, and my religion was getting high, sitting up on the rooftop, trying to get the UFOs to come down and pick me up and take me for a ride, go see the Pleiades or something like that, you know. Felt like I did that a couple nights, but anyway, unfortunately. I mean, it's funny. I can laugh now, but um, <clears throat> so through that, uh, I, have, I have a desire to reach people that are using psychedelics, people that, you know, obviously substance abuse. And there, there's kind of a difference almost, you know, you got your just straight up crack and meth heads that are just, that's just the hardest stuff to overcome. But then you've got people intelligent and not that crackheads aren't intelligent. That's not really my point, but you got, that was a joke. So he's like, yes, you're right. They're not. Anyway, intelligent people who are trying to expand their consciousness and I, I'm, I'm praying to ask God for avenues. And when I encounter people like this, I connect well with them. But people that are successful, people that aren't crazy, people that they're, they're smoking pot or they're doing some type of psychedelics to try to expand their consciousness because they're looking for a spiritual experience. And some of you that don't have friends like that, you don't understand it. But, you know, I'm not scared of those kind of people. 
there's actually a Christian cannabis movement. I am not advocating smoking weed. You know, it's not really that good for you. The point is people out there are trying to have spiritual experiences. They're trying to have these phenomenal experiences. In the new age realm, you got people that are focused on trying to encounter and connect with the Christ consciousness. It's like they, they acknowledge Christ, but they almost acknowledge him as Muslims acknowledge him as if he was an enlightened prophet. He is a a well-versed teacher. You can learn from him, but that son of God stuff is nonsense, you know. So the New Agers will embrace him, and so they're seeking a Christ consciousness or an enlightenment or expanded awareness. There's all kind of different terminologies. Now, there's the quantum facet that's brought into that mindset that says they're trying to vibrate on a higher dimension, vibrate on a higher resonant frequency to experience light and less of the base frequencies of this world. I'm telling you, this is stuff is interesting to me. You might be like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> but there are people that believe this stuff. And what they're doing is they are trying to evolve. So in new age, there's the mindset that evolution is how we got where we are. And humans are still evolving and they are evolving up to higher ascended beings, transcending illness and sickness. And so it, you know, I think it's a godly desire. I really do. I think they're desiring what God put in us to desire, but it rejects who Christ is and it puts it on, you can become your own God, essentially. It's, it's, you know, that's one way that it gets said. But so the, the goal is to evolve into a higher dimensional being, a more spirit being, you could say. In charismatics, we're trying to do the same thing, unfortunately. We think that we're in an evolutionary process to become more holy or become more righteous or become more spiritual. And so let me fast a little bit and get more power over more demons or some of that, all that stuff that we think that we can do in the flesh to become more spiritual. You can't do, you cannot do one thing in your intellect, in your soul, in your emotions or anything to be more spiritual. In Christ dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ dwells in you. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in you bodily. The spirit of the living God lives within you. God has sealed you with his spirit. He has anointed you with his very own presence. And that anointing abides. That anointing does not lift like old covenant prophets, the anointing, the spirit would come and it would rest on the old prophets. They'd say something, they'd deliver their message and then the spirit would lift again. The spirit of God will not lift from you because he's in you. He's changed the kind of being that you are and made you like him. Now we talk about that kind of stuff every week, but it's important that your feet are firmly rooted in that truth when you're seeking to experience the gifts of the Spirit. You are not a new ager trying to spiritually evolve. You are a person that acknowledges that you are complete in Him. And as you walk in love toward others, all you're doing is yielding to the Spirit of God who will empower you in the moment to display whatever it is that God needs to do to touch that person's heart. Yeah, in. That's right. Let's close the book. So... You are not evolving spiritually. You are complete in Christ. Say, I'm complete in Christ. Now, in spirit you are, but your life might need a little bit of work. You know, you got to renew that thinking. 
this is what we talked about last week. What you're doing is you are putting on the new man in your thoughts and in your soul so that you live like you've been made in Christ, so that you live according to the spirit that's been placed in you. Amen? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now live like it. How do you live like it? Renew your mind to believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and it will produce that fruit. Does that mean sin's okay? No. You with me? All right. God will empower you with graces of his spirit. Gifts, graces, same word. So what we're talking about is building the church. What we're talking about is putting people in their place as God would instruct. So the fivefold, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, that is a structure to help believers grow up. Say grow up. Thus saith the Lord. But not grow more righteous, grow up into your identity in Christ that you already are. You do that renewing your mind and experiences the transformation. The transformation is that the rest of your being starts to look like your spirit. You're not a new age. You're trying to increase your vibrational resonance. You're not trying to get more of something. You are rock solid, finished masterpiece complete, done. Say, I'm done. You really are. But you don't believe it in your mind, you don't feel it in your soul, and you don't see it in your actions. Does that mean you might have lost your salvation? Thank you. But it just might mean you just don't believe who you really are. That's what, man, I'm telling you, every time we gather here in this place, that is what we're seeking to do, is help you put on that new man that is created after him in righteousness and true holiness. So as you grow up into that identity in Christ, it's, that is process. Do you see the difference? As you grow, as you become more confident, you don't gain more power. You don't gain more capacity. You don't get another anointing. You don't need to go to some prophet and let them lay hands on you to give you what they got. You probably don't want what they got if they're going to do that. But we encourage each other, we stir each other, we call up what's already in there, placed in there by Christ. Amen? So, <clears throat> starting from this mindset, let's look at a couple of passages. We're going to look in 1 Corinthians 2, because I just want to talk about the gifts a little bit, talk about the fact that they're in you, that you can step out in them. I'm not necessarily going to make you feel like you have to do something. Again, it's kind of like we're just watering the seed, and it's up to you and the Holy Spirit where it goes from there. So, Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has entered in, or no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, just pretend like the rest of that verse isn't there for a minute. Don't read it. Here, I'll take it out of the way so you won't be distracted. But you hear that, right? So you hear cancer, job loss, my child is going through this. And then some well-meaning Christian says, well, you know, it just hasn't entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. And they somehow associate those types of things with an idea like that. That happens all the time in Christianity. In denominational Christianity, you hear a lot of half-baked scriptural... Uh, you started... Anyway. Half-baked. But let's keep reading. Say, keep reading. Now, eye has seen, nor ear has heard, 
no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. God will reveal to you by his spirit the good things that he has prepared for you because you love him. And why do you love him? Man, y'all are good. That's the only reason you can love him is as a response. So he commands you to love him, but the way that you love him is by lo- is because is responding to his love towards you first. So it's it's a commandment, but it's like I command you to understand how much I love you. Amen. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? So too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, which you've received, by the way. We have received, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that you would understand what God has freely given you. So God has given you his Spirit so that he could, so that he could help you understand what he's put in you. It's a constant learning teaching process, a calling up into what he's already done. He's made you perfect and complete in him, in spirit. That part of you that will move on and live forever in the presence of the father is perfect right now. Not one thing needs to change for you. If you, if you were to give up the ghost right now in this moment, you wouldn't have to do one thing to be acceptable before the father because Christ has cleansed you. You are holy and you have right standing with the father. Now, we live from that, and because we believe those things, we want to represent him well. Man, I'm, I'm, I wish the body of Christ could believe this because this is the path of quitting messing around with sin and, and all the stuff, all the worldly junk that we get into, and we try to fill those gaps in our lives, and we're, we, we don't know how to have that intimacy with the Father and, and, and a real relationship with Christ in a, in a real way that we turn to the world and then you start believing things like, well, you know, God's just not telling me what he's doing. You ever hear that? What are you doing? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's trying to tell you the things that he gave you. That's what it says. Gave you his spirit that you'd understand what he's freely given you. What has he given you? All his promises are yes and amen so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. Wow. All right. Same chapter, continuing on. And this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. So the Spirit's teaching us. And this is, this is really what we're talking about, is just being in tune with the Spirit and speaking out what He would place on your heart for yourself and for others. Expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words, the natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. So when your brain is, does not compute, I don't understand, don't understand, I don't understand, you're probably thinking carnally. doesn't mean you're thinking evil, just carnal. In other words, like subject to the laws of thermodynamics or something, you know, you're subject to A plus B equals C or whatever. You're just thinking logically. And it's not that the spirit is illogical. It just transcends mankind's best efforts. The laws of this dimension are subject to a higher standard as Jesus showed us. So uh, when you don't get it, like if if you're thinking about your life, or you're thinking about somebody else that you're praying for and you're wanting to be a blessing to them and minister to them or you're wanting to connect with God and you hear a scripture or you hear a promise or a song comes up in your heart or you're reminded of something that somebody said to you that is positive and encouraging and pointing you to Jesus and you don't see the connection, 
You're carnal in your thinking in that moment. But if you look at that and you say, here's my situation, here's the promise, this promise in this situation, I have no clue how this is going to happen. But I know that it's a promise from God. I don't care how it's going to happen. I'm just going to make sure that I believe that God is who he says that he is. That's all you need to do is be sure that God is who he says that he is. And as you acknowledge him, as you are aware of that facet of his identity, you experience it. It's just how it happens. I mean, Jesus talked about it. He said the secret is if you want to know how the kingdom works within you and all this transformational stuff happens, it's like a farmer casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it happens, but it produces fruit after its own kind. Do you believe that God's promise spoken to you, given to you, that he's trying to help you understand will bear fruit if you stay faithful to that? And I don't mean faithful in your deeds where you earn it, but you keep your heart open to it. That's the difference that we're talking about in this place is that heart element of staying open and receptive toward the spirit of God, just like a root keeps its, a tree keeps its roots in the ground. Don't pull your roots up and stick them in the world. Keep them in his presence. So, um, <clears throat> for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Now, don't speak it out, but think to yourself, what does that mean? Like, like, how do you actually practically grapple with and live within the reality that you have the mind of Christ? In your own mind, in your own heart, frame up a picture of what it looks like that you have the mind of Christ. You, and that might take some time. It might take some time for you to think about that. I have the mind of Christ. First off, it makes your brain want to explode. What? Amen. Here's what I think. You want to know what I think? I'll talk to you over here. <laughs> we'll go back here for just a minute. Now, so this is me. This is how I understand where we're going here. Talking about the gifts, talking about God's empowerment working within you. I like to think of ter in terms of energetics or light and dark, you know, a lot of times when you quote scripture, you, it kind of loses its punch. And I think Jesus taught the parables that he taught because the bunch of those guys were farmers and fishermen and he, he talked in terms that they would understand. I think if he were here in this day and age, he would be talking to us about the laws of thrust and how thrust can transcend gravity if there's proper uh, lift, yeah, lift, thrust, all that stuff. Thank you. You know, right? So a plane can defy the laws of gravity and lift. I got a pilot back there. Help me out, man. Uh, with enough thrust and lift, you're going to lift, right? I don't know. Pretend like that sounded really good. It sounded awesome. But I just think in terms of, because I love the scientific stuff and I love like, even the quantum stuff that's in, in a real way, you know. Um, but so when I think the mind of Christ Here's where my mind goes. So just give me a little bit of liberty here. I have within me the capacity to think the way that Jesus thinks. I have within me his knowledge, what he knows. I back that up with his promise of the Holy Spirit. He says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. He will remind you of what the Father has taught you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. 
So I think it's safe enough to say that I have the knowledge that Christ has within me. Now, that doesn't make me a God. I'm not going to become a God, but he shared with me his essence. What does Christ know? What does he not know? Think about it, you know? So in, in an energetics, you ever heard stories? Uh, no, just give me some creative light. You ever heard stories of people go to heaven and they die and they have these encounters with Jesus? And it's like they, they, they describe communicating almost like telepathically, like they don't use words and they can hear the, the flowers singing and nature seems alive, right? Like the creation seems alive. Heaven, it seems alive. There's something going on. There's like an energetic thing that's happening. So think about this, right? Follow me here. How do you know that your heart puts off an electrical signal? You can put a machine on you with sensors and it picks up the electric signal through those connectors and a machine reads it. Now, if you're just standing there, is your heart putting out that electrical signal? Of course it is. But you got to have the right thing to dial in to receive it. Right now, there are invisible waves flying through this room, sending messages. And I don't mean demons. I mean radio waves, right? You get a radio, you tune it in, you pick it up, you can hear that frequency. <clears throat> you have measuring device. I mean, they make a device, you can rub it along the wall and it'll find a piece of wood in the wall. Sensors picking up things and signals going on around. In this. There's Mike, the electrician, was talking about an ohm reading that reads voltage and all this kind of stuff. You have the mind of Christ. I think you are a receptor. You are a receiver that is in an inter interactive uh, electromagnetic interplay with the world around you. Now, we got a quantum physicist over here. You're not quite a quantum physicist, but he studied quantum physics and we had an interesting conversation. You did study quantum physics. A little. Anyway. <laughs> You're physicist, you're studying physics? What are you studying? Biology. Anyway, close enough. But we had a really cool conversation about quantum physics one day. Waiting to see Endgame. Um, this is so, this all, this is from the, I have the mind of Christ. This is my brain running through all the, because I, I want to demystify how we interact with the spirit of God. Now, I don't want to just put God in a box. I don't want to regulate it down to some scientific equation, but I want it to be real. Like a lot of our Christianity and our interaction with God, it's like it's magic. But there is a physics to the eternal dimension. There is a consistent operation of things, real scientific word, in that dimension that we can interact with. Yeah, stuff. They actually do use that. So I have the mind of Christ. I have the spirit of Christ within me. I can know all things. Here's what I think. I think we actually don't lack any information. I just think our brain, our sinful fallen brain, lacks the capacity to process everything that is actually within us. But if you can somehow bypass your brain and let your heart resonate with God or whatever the words are, be led by God, you're, you're not in the dark about anything. Like you wake up and you go about your day and you have the mind of Christ in you. You know everything about everything that there is to know. 
Your brain even has the capacity to store and recall everything you've ever learned. It just does. I mean, think about that. So you talk about people. I think we can get around people and you just sense. Mm, mm. You ever been around somebody and you're like, I don't like that guy. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I just don't like the energy. Don't, you know, I mean, not trying to get weird. I'm just saying, if our heart puts out a signal that can be read, oh, by the way, there have been studies done of up to like, I can't remember, 50 feet away that that signal is still measurable from your heart. So that means every single minute your heart beats 70, 80, 90 times a minute is putting out and it's electromagnetic in nature. You are interacting with your world. Have you ever seen somebody that dates the same loser over and over and over? Why do they do that? You are attracting to you what you believe in your heart. Now, that, don't get weird about this. Don't think, Jesse, I know what you're thinking. You know, he looks scared right now all of a sudden. Over. <laughs> I don't know. I just think, I think we're, I think we're less separate from each other than we realize. So in other words, operating in the gift of the word of knowledge or word of wisdom, it's more about being in tune with who God is in you and, and being connected at a heart level with these people that are around you. You might get a message from God in the midst of that, that he wisely teaches you how to interpret what you're picking up on, but we're picking up on stuff from each other all the time. And the mind of Christ, hopefully you let it filter through. You don't go to judgment with it. You don't use it to manipulate, but you use it to bless and minister to them. You good with that? Now that's, just, that's just my thought. That's how I understand having the mind of Christ operating in the gifts. Because I don't want to sit here and have to try to figure out and hear some message from heaven. I want to connect with the Father and naturally express out of me, according to the way that I already work, what it is that he would want to do through me. Then it's just a fruit. Then it's just me displaying and living out this nature that he's put within me. He's given me great and precious promises so that I would be a partaker of his divine nature. I am participating and partaking of his divine nature as I walk around. You know, it's why, you're, it's why your heart breaks when you see injustice and tragedy in the world. You feel it. You know, we play the movie of other people's lives in our head all the time, and we take on in our, our own heart the pain that they're going through. I think appropriately so, but what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let it drive you to depression and alcoholism? Are you going to stand in who you are in Christ and let the light that is in you be greater than the darkness that is over them? So, the way that I would like for us to kind of traverse through that concept, knowing that you have the mind of Christ, trusting that God will lead you and guide you, trusting that God will empower you with these things, which I'm about to read them in just a moment quickly. Uh, start from this idea, cultivate compassion. When Jesus moved, when Jesus did the things that he did, many times he said he was moved with compassion, right? I think what we do is when we talk about the gifts, when we talk about wanting to display the power and all the stuff that we want to do, we idealize the gift much like when you're dating, you idealize your potential mate. I haven't dated in a while, praise God. 
Well, we dated last night. That was a pretty good date. Anyway, you know what I mean? Spouse hunted. Oh, you think I'm kidding. There are some spouse hunters out there. Anyway, uh, huh? The hunt is, yeah, the hunt is real. <laughs> it's all right to have fun, right? Um, <clears throat> you're dating. You have an ideal what you want. You meet somebody. Maybe they are about 75% of what it is that you think you want. And that other 25%, you just kind of fuzz out that they don't have or they actually are exactly the opposite. And you think, well, this is going to somehow work and this is, I can fix this and God, uh, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do this for me. This is the way you're going to do it. And tell God how to fix the person. And you have an ideal. So you start dating your ideal in your mind, ignoring other facets of this person. And so it's like you never really fully connect with that person. Hopefully you get through that and you can work through whatever issues and you can enjoy the love of how far ever gone into marriage or whatever. What has happened? But anyway, you, we date the ideal rather than that person. And see, you can actually have fulfilling relationships. I get careful how I say that. I was going to say with lots of people, but, you know, not that kind of church. I just mean with the person that you're committed with, you can handle that person. As long as you set aside the ideal and you actually get to know this person. I think we, does that, does that make sense? I, what I think we do is we have an ideal of what the gifts look like. And so when we go to pray for somebody or we're seeking to display that stuff, we're more focused on the gift or what it means about us rather than actually connecting with this person. It's like, whether I pray for you or not, whether, I, whether anything supernatural happens here at all, my first goal is to connect with you, to, to acknowledge within my heart that you are valuable to God, that God loves you just as much as he loves me. I have compassion for you. And then as you're aware of that, as you're cultivating compassion for this person, then the gifts rise. That is the environment for the gift, the grace to rise up within you. But if you say, I really want to get words of knowledge, God, then you're going, I wonder if their back hurts. Maybe their back hurts. I'm going to ask them if their back hurts. Oh, their back doesn't hurt. Darn it. But love never fails. So let's read through these real quick. The gifts. Different gifts, same spirit. Say same spirit. Now, for that to mean same spirit, in order for you to have God's spirit means you have been anointed. And to, be, to have his spirit means you have his anointing. To say that, there's, that everyone has the same spirit means also to say that everyone has the same anointing. There are not different anointings. There's not a prophetic anointing, apostolic anointing, healing anointing. There are apostolic offices of administration. There are gifts of healing, which is a grace, which is a empowerment of healing, but it's one spirit. And, and you just got to know this when you start to move in this stuff, because you see other people doing it and you're not doing it. And you think that they got something that you don't. And the whole school is built around how to get more of it. And it's like, come on, one spirit. So there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Now, the literary method that he's doing here to make that same point over and over, it's a, it's a, it's a, overemphasized point that he really wants you to get. Same spirit, same Lord. There are different workings, uh, different ways of working, but the same God works all things in all people, men, women, same thing, not to each one 
Uh, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's why you operate in the gifts is for the common good. For us, collective as a body, common good of just our fellow humans on the planet. So here's the gifts. To one, there's given, and the word given we talked about last week, it's, it's an endowment. It's not a separate present that you have that you don't have. It's the same spirits in you, might empower you to do this, but he might empower you to do that, but it all comes from the same spirit and you all have the same capacities. <clears throat> to one is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the same spirit. This is the Berean study Bible, by the way. And I like that it uses the word message rather than word, you know, word of knowledge. I mean, we, it's funny how we get rut phrases in our minds, but it, it's a message. It's just a message, a message of wisdom, message of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in various tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these, and so he starts off one spirit, one Lord, uh, lists the gifts, and then goes back again. All these work of one and the same spirit, who apportions to each of them as he determines. And apportions is a word that talks about endows to each one, not gives one more to one than the other. It's just, it's basic, it's fundamental. You guys know this, but it's important to say it over and over again because you should never feel less than. You got the same spirit as anybody. Uh, the body is a unit, though it is compromised of many parts, and although its parts are many, they are all from one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we we're all given one spirit to drink. Amen. So let's look at a couple of these here. Knowledge. word. And let, me, let me ask you this. Can you give me an example of Jesus operating in a word of knowledge? You guys were first service, so don't give it away. Huh? Woman at the well. What did he do? He knew information about her, right? What about another one? Any other words of knowledge, Jesus in his ministry? I'm making you think in church. I know you're supposed to just sit there and mind, mindlessly absorb, but no, think. Think about it. Zacchaeus, up in the tree. He knew information about him. One more. Yeah, maybe. I would put that in miracle. What about the gold in the fish's mouth? Yeah. All right, so it's just intelligence, understanding, science. Now watch this, word of wisdom. You know, again, one of my goals is to demystify supernatural experience, not boil it down, put God in a box, but to make it not so mysterious where you're always trying to grasp for what he's doing and discern some kind of weird message. I want you to operate out of your finished work identity in Christ, having compassion toward people, and then becoming confident in speaking out of that heart as God expresses himself through you for that person and whatever it ends up being. So this is pretty, it's, it's some mystical, some mystery, very practical also. 
This is the definition of wisdom. I realize it's small, but I just clipped it right out of uh, the Thayer's Greek lexicon on blueletterbible.org. Go check it out. Wisdom. Broad and full of intelligence. See, because we think when we're supposed to do this, we got to be good enough to know impossible information about other people. You're made to feel that way. Well, to operate in this, I got to get a secret. I got to know what was in their corner of their bedroom when they were five years old or whatever. Broad and full of intelligence, used of the knowledge and very diverse matters, the wisdom which belongs to men, the varied knowledge of things, human and divine, acquired by acuteness and experience and summed up in maxims and proverbs, the science and learning, just I'm going to skip all the way down, the knowledge and practice that of the requisites for godly and upright living. That's pretty practical. What I want God to do when he works through me is give me something that doesn't make this person have to go get some charismatic thesaurus to discern what I've just said to them. Because most people out there are going to run if you start getting nutty and weird about it. If you get nutty and God says, get nutty and weird, do your thing. Now, I'm not saying don't be who you are. Be free, be unique, but be rooted and grounded in the finished work, giving them something that actually they can put into practice and what works for them. But if God tells you to do something really weird, do that too. It's fine, but just don't make it weird because you think it's got to be weird. There are some people that like the mystery. That's okay. I'm not really necessarily one of them. I don't think that I know everything about God, and I don't need to necessarily know what's going on in that dimension. All I know is he said, do this. So I'm going to do it. Try to, at least. I'm going to keep my heart open. Because I'm not going to try to imagine what's going wrong in the spirit dimension. We're, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's happening in that unseen dimension and what we're supposed to do to make things work from over there. That's not your part. Trust God. You don't, you are not, God is not distant from you trying to answer your prayers through a legion of demons any longer because he's in you. That story that they were hindered when the prayers were hindered because they were fighting, God's angels were fighting. There's no, do you know where the fight is now? When you pray and if there's a hindrance, it's not out here, it's in here. Now, there might be a hindrance that you got to deal with out here, but the solution should be very clear how to deal with it. We'll talk about that kind of stuff next week. So the last idea, prophecy. Prophecy is discourse emanating from divine inspiration, declaring the purposes of God. God has good plans, by the way. Whether by reproving or admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. I personally don't get into the whole personal prophecy things as if telling people what their future is supposed to be. You know, I, 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 would, I would prefer if I do get something like that, I'm going to have a conversation with them. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to try to help them grasp it from God. See, because anything that God tells you to tell somebody, he's already told them. Anything that God ever tells you to tell somebody else, when you tell them, if they're listening, they should say, oh, yeah, well, that's confirmation. Thank you. It really should be. And, and, and then, so here's what prophecy should look like. See, because if they've got the mind of Christ too, if they're a believer, they already know. You're not revealing to them something they don't know. All right, let's keep going. 
when I think of prophecy, I think of this concept. So this is uh, John before an angel in the revelation of Jesus. Uh, he says, so I, tell, so I fell at his feet to worship him, but he told me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who rely on the testimony of Jesus. So even the angels rely on the testimony of Jesus. The testimony meaning, now what are we doing? Jesus. Oh yeah, here we go. They go back to him. He testifies of what, it, what, you know, what this is all about. So then he gives us this insight, and it's incredibly insightful that I think every prophecy should always be rooted in. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know, you could think of the testimony as, as almost as if it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's Jesus standing there, really. It's a, it's a painting of him. It's some type of something that you look to that is the testimony that I look to to give out what it is that that testifies of this testimony. So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy or the essence of prophecy. It's not that God has some spirit of prophecy that he pulls out and he gives you this spirit. You know what I mean? So when he's talking about spirit here, he's talking about the essence of it. The essence of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. When you prophesy, the essence of it should testify of Jesus. If it has mysterious and strange things encoded within it, that's fine, but how is it pointing them to Jesus? Specifically, relating back to what the Spirit of God is doing within that person, which is helping them understand the things that God has already put within them, if they're a believer. And if they're not a believer, it's, it's really not that different. You know, if you pretend like they're a believer, they, they respond as if they are a believer and they might get saved. So if you ever get, receive a prophecy or ever feel like you have give, you're going to give a prophecy, it should always testify of the, the, what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. Even if it's a warning, it's a warning that can call back to what he already paid for for that person. Don't, you know, he's like, go, be free, don't sin, or else it's going to be worse for you. Always pointing people back to Jesus. So cultivate compassion, and then God will teach you as you go. I'm going to leave it on this one. The Holy Spirit is a much better teacher than any person ever. The Holy Spirit, I mean, you know, I think we, I think we don't give people enough credit in church. It's like, you sit here and let me tell you everything that I think you're supposed to believe about this. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit will do that. We talk about it. We look at the scriptures about it. We water that, those seeds within our heart and we trust that it's operating. We remember, oh yeah, wow, I, I really just haven't been lately keeping my heart open to, 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 from, to hear from God, to minister to others when I'm at the grocery store or when I'm out this or whatever. I just hadn't been doing that lately. I think what I'm going to do is, I think I'll just do that. I think I'll just, before I go in, before I interact with people, I'm just going to set my heart on God. I'm going to decide that I have love for these. God loves these people. I mean, just look, just try it here. Look around for just a minute. God loves every single person. Now, we know that. But are you aware of that after you've just got almost run off the road and you're going into Walmart? Probably not. Make it a practice, man. I'm telling you, make it a practice of just stopping. It only takes about two minutes 
If it's even that long, just stop. Take a deep breath. Relax. Remember, God loves you. I have the mind of Christ within me. If Jesus were standing in this parking lot right now, what would happen? People would be so radically touched by his love. I don't mean you got to try to have revival mentality everywhere you go and fabricate something. All I'm saying is set your heart on him. Remember to have compassion toward people and then be willing to act. Act. That's it. If you will act on the inspiration that arises when you are feeling compassion for other people, watch what happens. Amen? I was just going to share, um, I don't remember how long ago it was, but Clint and I and some other friends were at an Andrew Womack conference, and it had to have been at least 15 years ago. Do you remember? Probably something. Anyways, so during the worship, and, you know, I wasn't... A, like getting this super connection during the worship. I don't know if you guys have been to Andrew Walmack, but it's not like yeah, it's, not, it's not like my type of worship where you're like, oh, you know. But anyways, during the worship, I was just talking to God, and I said, you know, God, I want more. I want to hear you more. I want to pray for people more. I want to be more bold. And so that was it. And so during uh, Andrew teaching, all of a sudden I was like, hmm, I need to go to the bathroom. And I, I mean, I was taking notes and right in the middle of his teaching stuff. And it was really odd. So, so didn't I didn't really have to go. No, I didn't really have to go to the bathroom. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just get up and go. And um, I was in the stall and I heard some ladies, I guess they were attendants in the bathroom or whatever. And I heard them talking in Spanish. So I'm like, and then I heard the name Anna. And so I was like, Anna, what does that mean? And um, I, kind of just ignored it, and then I heard the word, I heard a voice, and it said, ask the person if their name is Anna. So I just go into the bathroom, got out of the stall, they're still talking, they're praying, and I, I heard it again. <laughs> so I finally, I said, is your name Anna? And she's like, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I didn't speak Spanish, but the other girl that was with her I, I spoke English, and I just felt like I needed to pray for them and prayed and the girl was crying you know it was something about finances and prison her, she had a family member in prison or something or another but anyways all that to say and a couple other times that week that weekend also I kept hearing and after that I would hear people's names like first and last name I heard a grand one of the girls that was sitting in front of us I heard their grandchild's name or something like that so all that to say, you have to be willing. You want to. You have to take that time and say, "I want this, Lord. I want to help people. I want to have compassion for people." And you got to take that step and take that moment, like Clint was just talking about. You know, get quiet before you go into somewhere. If you want to be a blessing to people and pray for people and give words to people, stop and say, "Use me, Lord. You know, I want to help these people." Amen. Yep. Amen. And, and it's, it's already happening. You have the mind of Christ. The spirit of the living God is in, is in you, and he's never silent. 
I mean, I think all of us could stop at any moment and receive messages for each and every single person in this room if we, if we wanted to, and then we let God breathe on us. <clears throat> and it's not about trying to create some type of supernatural culture. It's just cooperating with how God builds his church. He puts people in certain offices for certain functions. And as you go about your Christian life, seeking to experience transformation through mind renewal so that you're putting on your true identity in Christ, it's like, oh, by the way, you're hurting. God says this. And you may never get someone's name. You may never get something that detailed. I mean, that's almost intimidating. It's like, oh, I got to get names. You don't have to get names. You can do one. You could say this. Can I pray for you? You mind if, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Would you mind if I pray for you? And then, but cultivate compassion within your heart first. And if you're not, because otherwise you just might as well grab a garbage can and a hammer and just beat the heck out of that thing right in front of their face. That's what Paul says. You're just a clanging symbol if you're not doing it in love. But love never fails. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We trust you. We, we want to cooperate with you. We do not want to limit what you are doing in this earth. We want the church that is your body, regardless of buildings and names on the signs and denominations and any of that type of stuff. If they said yes to Jesus, we're brothers and sisters. Father, thank you that we, that we are, are organizing the way that you would lead us to organize. We know that you've placed a deep-seated message for the gospel within the people that call this their home church, people online that are paying attention, that don't have a church in their area, but they call this their home church. We're part of the church, but those people that you've placed in this place, Lord, I want you to lead them in such a way that they find great fulfillment in their part in your body and what it looks like for this place. We don't want to use people to build an organization, but we want to organize so that we can build people up, so that they can walk in their true identity in Christ. So we submit to you, Lord. We ask you, we thank you, we yield to you to continue to knit us together, to lead us, to show us how to function, show us what our, our assignment is for this city, for this state, and for the world at large. And for those of us that are feeling that, they're feeling that tug and that call to just be more connected, Father, I think that there's a safe, open opportunity to have the conversation, to move forward in that area. And we, Because all we want to do is cooperate with you. We don't want to limit you. We don't want to make something happen. We don't want to think higher of ourselves than we should, but we don't want to not cooperate with you either. So we just want to do what it is that you're doing in our midst. We trust you. We love you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.